Praise God tonight. Are you thankful to be saved? Praise God. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Psalms chapter 1. We're going to start there. Psalms chapter 1. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so grateful tonight to be saved, to be washed in the blood, to be on my way to heaven with the journey getting sweeter every day. Thank you, Lord, that no matter what comes our way, amen, God's never let us down. He never disappoints. Amen. We serve a winner. Amen. You know how I know that? He's never lost. Amen. Praise God. But tonight I'm thankful. I'm glorifying God tonight for His goodness. He is an awesome God who saved us, reconciled us back unto Himself, delivered us, made us new creatures in Christ Jesus. I'm so grateful tonight. Amen. You know, I'm grateful tonight that I'm not who I used to be. Praise God. Amen. I'm not even, I'm not even, I am talking about the sinful stuff. I'm grateful that I'm not who I used to be as a sinner. But I'm grateful that I'm not who I used to be as somebody that was estranged from God. That didn't know the Lord and didn't have a relationship with Him. Because there's nothing like a relationship with the Lord. Amen. There's nothing like the touch of God. And I was reading this week in Ephesians chapter 3. And this isn't part of my message, but maybe Sunday morning. But Paul said, I'm the least of the saints. And he said, but God, he, God called me, ordained me, allowed me to be the one that, go, that would go and preach the, un, the unsearchable riches of God unto the Gentiles. He called me. Why? Because I, 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 I found something. He, he found me, but I found something, discovered something in this Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I found something that is, is, the, is the unsearchable riches, the grace of God, amen, something that the world didn't give me and the world can't take away (laughs) praise God if you don't get excited about Jesus and you need a dip at Calvary (laughs) amen I'm thankful tonight that even when you don't feel good amen God's still God (laughs) praise the Lord (laughs) thank you Lord Jesus but tonight I just want to read starting in Psalms chapter 1 And uh, I got a a message here tonight, and this I've entitled, Why We Must Know the Word. Why We Must Know the Word of God. Amen. And I I don't know how long this is going to take, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Whenever God's done, He's done. And and uh, but, But I want you to understand something that the Lord really impressed this upon me. And in Psalms chapter 1, let's pray over the Word, and then we'll get right into it. Father... Tonight, I thank you for this great privilege and honor to be here, to be in your house, to be here, Lord, to glorify you and to worship you. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the, for the, the Spirit of God and the presence of God and the people that are hungry for God and thirsty for God that have come out tonight, Lord, to be in your house. And Lord, I pray that you will make... Lord, and give me an unction from the Holy One, Lord, that will make preaching effective. And God, that'll begin to, uh, Lord, just begin to speak and impart life and impart uh, 
God, truth, Lord, to this congregation tonight. This is the congregation you've called me to, Pastor Lord. You've called me as the under-shepherd. You've called me as the father of this house, Lord. You are our heavenly father, but you've called me as the father of this house, Lord. The, the leader in this body, and I pray tonight that you will just equip me to speak what thus saith the Lord and minister and impress upon this congregation and each and every heart, Father God, your word tonight, what you want to say, and God, let it sink down deep. Amen. I thank you, Lord, tonight, for you are such a good God. You're a good God, and you're worthy of praise. And Lord, I love you tonight, and I thank you, and I pray you help me. Give me strength, minister through me, and we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Psalms chapter 1, verse 1, it says, I'm going to read it in the Amplified because for Christmas I got, a, I got a King James Version and Amplified Parallel Bible. Yeah. So I'll have to have three Bibles up here on the platform. Just need one. Amen. I'm going to read it out of the, the, the Amplified side. And it says, Blessed Fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly. He doesn't follow their advice and example. He doesn't stand in the path of sinners nor sit down to rest in the seat of the scoffers or ridiculers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, his precepts, his teachings, he habitually meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree, firmly planted and fed by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers and comes to maturity. I'm not even going to talk about the wicked because I'm talking to the body of Christ tonight. If you're wicked, you need to come to the Lord Jesus tonight. If you're not saved, that's what this altar is for. You can know him tonight. But I'm talking to the body of Christ tonight that needs to know why we must know the word of God and have it hid in our heart. And I open with this scripture using it like a banner. Really, the, the, the latter part of it, the third verse, and the, uh, the third verse where he says, uh, uh, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season and leaf. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. I'm speaking this to you because I want you to understand something, that it shouts, it resounds, it declares with a clarion call the blessedness, the value, and the power of the Word of God. We must understand that tonight. It's very critical that we know the Word. And in short, it tells us of the effects that the Word has upon our spiritual lives. 
that we would be planted, if we meditate on the word, if we, if we um, walk in the word and walk not in the counsel of anything else of this world or in ungodliness or even in people that are in the world that are successful or they are, are motivational speakers or anything else that's humanistic that's outside of Jesus Christ, if we'll walk in Christ, if we'll walk in His Word and we'll delight in the law of God's Word, we will be like that tree planted by the water. It speaks to us. You'll be planted. You'll be tended to by God. You'll be tended to by God, by a source that is sustaining unto you. He will sustain you through the word. You will bring forth fruit in every season of your life. You know the problem with people and why they don't bring fruit in the down seasons is because they haven't sown whenever they were in the up seasons. They haven't sown to the word of God. He said whenever your house is built upon the rock, when the, when, the, when the rain comes and the floods begin to beat against the house, when it's built upon the rock of the word, it'll not fall down like a house of cards. If it's built upon sand, it'll crumble, it'll fall apart. But when you're built on the rock, whenever the storm comes and the flood comes, whenever the trials of life come, when you're at a moment in your life where you think, God, what am I going to do? I've been hit with a tragedy, hit with a calamity, hit with something that's trying to destroy me the word will hold you up are you hearing me you'll stand upon the rock of his word and you'll make it church we got to have the word because we're going to come into some difficult times amen amen so but when you're planted you'll bring forth fruit in every season in the night season in the day season, no matter what season you're in, you will begin to bring fruit. It won't diminish. It won't fade. Your, your leaf will not wilt or fade. There will be consistency in your life, and you will prosper spiritually. That's what happens when, you're in, when the Word is embedded in your heart, when you're planted in the Word, and the Word is planted in you. Now, I'm going to tell you how it does this awesome work. And I also want to tell you how I feel that God has given me a mandate from heaven right now in this church moving forward how important it is that we know the Word of God because there are a million voices out there on YouTube that you listen to. I hope you don't, but you do. We go through things and you hear things. Amen. A lot of times people, rather than go to the word of, the, uh, word of God, they'll go to Google. But there's a million voices out there. I was thinking about this. When you step outside of your church, and we're not the only church, there's many, many, many churches, thousands, millions, whatever you want to call it, globally. But when you step out of your church, you know, the, all of these other churches have different pastors. They have different beliefs. They have different doctrines. They have different uh, things that they, they believe and stand for. And, and they all may be good. There may be nothing wrong with them. But there may be some that may not be. That's why you have to know the Word. You have to know the Word. It's very important. And so God has put upon my heart, preacher, pastor, under-shepherd, 
You've got to teach the people the word of God. They've got to know the word of God so that they're not deceived. So that they're not moved by every wind of doctrine. So that they don't just swallow everything that comes across their path. So that when they're going through something that's confusing, God's word will bring an assurance where there's been confusion. Because God's not the author of confusion. And let me just say this. We do not follow or uh, base what we believe off of an experience but God's word. Okay? It's very important. So I feel God has given me a mandate to teach the word before or, or to, to teach the word more than ever before. And this is very serious to me. Because the Bible tells us that heaven and earth will pass away, but not his word. That's scripture. Heaven and earth will pass away, but he said, my word shall never pass away. In fact, he upholds his word higher than his name. That's in the book of Psalms. So not only did Jesus say, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away, but... He said in the Psalms, he said that God upholds his word higher than his name. Paul said, listen, now I'm not, I haven't wrote, wrote down the scriptures, but it's in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, tongues will cease. He's not talking about now, even though there's some that believe and say that there was a stop of that in the book of Acts. After the book of Acts, nobody spoke in tongues anymore. I said, you're too late. I've already been filled with the Holy Ghost and being baptized in the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues has given me an enhanced prayer life that has edified me in my spirit and nobody will tell me that it's not for today because it's for today. Amen. The Word of God said, Paul said, forbid not to speak in tongues. That's Bible. That's how I know we are, are, are you know, that's, that is a, it's a gift but it's also an evidence of the Holy Ghost upon your life and it will change your prayer life you will pray and seek God I've been alone with God and just weeping and crying I've got to the point where I put earplugs in my ears because I don't want to hear nothing going on around about me I just want to worship God and I get lost in his presence in my prayer room amen but he said there will come a day when tongues will cease Paul said prophecy will end There'll be no more tongues. There'll be no more prophecy. Well, I believe there is still, because of the fivefold ministry in two different places I read today, that there is still prophetic utterances that take place. But there will come a moment whenever prophecy will end. Amen. He also said, that, and we know that one day faith will end with sight. When we get to heaven and we see him faith face to face. You don't have to have faith in God anymore. You've arrived where you've lived your whole life to be. So faith will be put by the wayside. Not that it's not a valid thing. Not that tongues are not a valid thing or prophecy is not a valid thing. But faith will become sight when you end up in old Beulah land. Not old Beulah land, but the Beulah land. Hope will become a reality one day that will no longer be valid. You won't have to hope for heaven anymore. You're hoping glory because you'll be in glory. Okay, I'm going somewhere. But his word will never pass. 
It will never end because it is an eternal absolute. Are you hearing me? And I'm teaching you this because the devil wants our focus off of the Word of God and on other things. But it is the power of His Word that will bring a victory against every temptation. I know it's the power of the Spirit, but the power of the Spirit is activated by what you believe in the Bible, by what you believe in the Word of God. For example, Jesus said, it is written, and we know I'm not going to get into all of those specifics of him being in the wilderness driven by or led by, I should say, the Holy Spirit to go into the wilderness to be tempted. But whenever he began to respond to the devil, of course he was full of the Holy Spirit without measure, the Bible says. Whenever he come up out of that Jordan, the dove descended upon him. God opened up the heavens and the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so he was he was led into the wilderness and when he went into the wilderness and the devil came up to him and began to tempt him, he didn't lean upon an experience. He quoted the word. He didn't say, oh, let me get over here and get a goosebump," and then come back and say, he said, it is written. It is written. What is written in the word of God, I hurl at you, and that is the only thing that sent the devil to flight. Three different times he told him, it is written. It is written that men shall not live by bread alone. Whenever the devil tried to get him to act in a supernatural power that God didn't give him at that moment to do because he was led by the Spirit. He said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, and thou shalt not bow down, thou shalt not begin to bow down to any other, have any other God but God. You don't worship any other God but God. Come on now. So everything that he quoted was, it is written to the devil. And every time it was effective against the attacks without fail. Without fail. Think about that. Without fail. We quote what was written, what Jesus spoke on the cross. And when we say it is written, what we're saying is it's written in our Bible. But we're saying, we're pointing back to a point in time when Jesus hung on a cross. And he accomplished everything. And there was an effective work that was done that was eternal. He was accepted by God the Father. His blood that he shed for all humanity was accepted by God. His sacrifice was accepted. And he said, it is finished. And God said, it is accepted. So when we say it is written, whenever the enemy comes and tells you God doesn't forgive you, you can say it is written. Jesus said it is finished. The blood washes me. The blood cleanses me. The blood was accepted. Of course, I, amen, I cannot do this on my own, but it is finished what he did. And I stand upon that word of that. People fall apart when they don't know their Bible. We must know the word of God. 
We must know the word of God. And you eagles are going to fly. Did you hear me? You eagles are going to fly. You know why? God didn't call us to be chickens. He called us to be eagles. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Come on. We quote what was written. And what was written points back to a point in time where it was spoken by God. The very word of God is spoken. God said, let there be light. Boom, there was. Let there be land. Boom, there was. And when Jesus said, it is finished. Boom, it was finished. And that's for you and me. He didn't die for himself. He died for you and me. (laughs) It is written. It was written on the cross. I was reading in Luke chapter 4. Verse 8, one of my most, 18, I'm sorry, one of my most favorite scriptures, that this is what it says in Luke 4, 18. Jesus said, when he went into the temple, they delivered him the book of Isaiah, and uh, Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. When you need God to bring a deliverance to you, you can quote that and say, it is written. The Spirit of the Lord, the anointing of God was upon. The anointing was upon Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord. And he anointed him to preach the gospel. He sent him to heal the brokenhearted. Don't say that God can't heal your broken heart because his word says that he can. Some people say, well, I didn't know that, but somebody prayed for me. Well, What they have read in the word of God and they knew by faith they prayed over you. But in order for you to keep that, you're going to have to know the word. Because it cannot be their promise and proxy to you. It has to be your promise. It has to be the God you know. Come on now. It has to be the truth you know. The promise that you have. When I was at my lowest moment... And I was in sin as a Christian. And the devil told me God wouldn't forgive me anymore. He's, he's kicked you to the curb, Jonathan Skiles. He doesn't love you. You're a worthless piece of trash. He will not forgive you. Because you've turned over your rededicator and turned over a new leaf. You're on your 1500th time. And don't look at me like you ain't never been there. Well, let me tell you where eternal security kicks in. When you know and that seed's down deep within you. And I said, Lord, you have forgotten me. The devil's convinced me. I didn't say that, but I just said, Lord, I just, anymore. I just don't know, Lord. I just don't feel saved. I don't feel like you love me. I feel like because I've sinned against you that you don't care. You're not going to forgive me. And he said, go to the word. Go to the word. 
Go back to the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? If you will be faithful, if you will confess your sins, if you'll confess your sins, He will be faithful and just to forgive you of your transgressions. He'll wash you in His blood. And God said, quote that again. I said, oh my God, is it possible that it's true? He said, keep quoting it. It is written, amen. When the devil told you God wouldn't forgive you, quote it, it is written. I said, Lord, you said in your word that if I confess my sins, oh God, I said, I've sinned against you. Can you forgive me? He said, read it. I will forgive you. He said, if you confess your sins, confess your faults, he will be faithful and just to forgive you. He will be faithful even though you haven't been faithful. He is just. Even though you deserve the justice of God which is judgment, he's a just God and the justifier. Quote the word. It is written. And I'm telling you, I quoted that scripture right out of that pit. Right out of that place of depression. Right out of that place of condemnation. I quoted my way right out of there. Oh yeah. You say, well, where was the Spirit? I can tell you it took a few times quoting that word before the Spirit kicked in. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on now. It took a few times quoting that word before the Spirit began to kick in. But eventually the Spirit of God began to kick in. And I said, Lord, is it possible? He said, read it again. Read it again. It is written. It is written. It is written. Read it again. So when the Spirit of the Lord is upon Christ to begin to preach, uh, be anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, and he said he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, he didn't stop healing the brokenhearted when Jesus ascended up into glory. Come on. To preach deliverance to the captives. That didn't stop in the, back, in the end of the book of Acts. He's still a deliverer. How do you know that? Because Jesus said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel. These signs shall follow them that believe. I'm reading the Bible. I'm quoting the Bible. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Oh, God doesn't heal anymore. Well, he already healed me, so I know that's not true. I know that he still heals. He doesn't deliver. Oh, my goodness, there's people sitting all over this building that have been delivered. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? God doesn't deliver. What? I don't know what church you're going to, but I'm telling you the church I go to is a delivering church with a delivering God and a delivering gospel and a spirit that will begin to deliver the captives and set them free. That's why we've got to know the word. Almighty God. So we must quote what was written, what Jesus did on the cross. We must quote, quote what he wrote in Luke 4.18. And there's so many other scriptures, the whole Bible. But the whole Bible is a powerful thing simply because it is God's words. When my boy was in the hospital, I've shared this, but I'm going to share it again. They told us he needed a blood transfusion. That nurse, she just about cussed at me. 1995, 
He's not even four pounds, just about maybe four pounds. He was born three pounds. It took six weeks for him to gain a pound. And that kid can eat, man. I love him. But here he is. And that lady looked at me, that nurse, and she said, Mr. Skiles, I want to tell you something. You're refusing your baby to have a blood transfusion. I said, I don't know where that blood came from. I don't know if they made a mistake and got it from somebody that had AIDS. I don't know if they got it from somebody that had hepatitis C or something like that. I don't want any blood in his body that I don't know. And I said, he'll get a blood transfusion from Calvary. Oh, she got so mad. She just walked away. And I, but as she walked away, I said, he'll come home Tuesday. I told Angela, why did I say that? It just blurted out of my mouth. God said it. So Tuesday, it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, but Angela called me, called my boss. Please call your wife. So I called home, and she said, you're not going to believe this. I said, oh, yes, I will. She said, they told us, come pick up Kyle. Me and mom got to go down and get something for him to wear. So they did. We got you that little blue outfit with that Pierre hat. Amen. Thank God he outgrew that thing. It was cute. Little Bo Peep. Little baby blue Pierre hat. I said, wee wee, he's got that paintbrush. He's just sitting there. But they brought him home. I said, there's that baby at home. Amen. Here he is. God spoke through me. He was home Tuesday. Amen. That's the word of God. He sent his word and he healed my disease. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, as kids, my siblings would say, Mom said this and this. And if mom said this and this, and one of the kids came and said, Mom told me if you didn't knock it off, she was coming down here and she was going to spank you with the belt. Let me tell you something. Mom's word, it, it carried water and weight. I said, oh, really? I better straighten up. <laughs> the word of God, her word. Now, that's in the natural. But God's word spoken. If you believe it tonight, if we'll just stand upon that, we must know the word for our lives. We must know the word so we're not deceived. We must see it activated in our lives. And they say, well, people don't believe that. That's their problem. Live in prosperity. And when I say prosperity, I mean with God's blessing upon your life. Living with peace. Peace is prosperity. Amen. Being able to lay your head down at night and not having to go to a counselor or take drugs to go to sleep at night. Prosperity's not money. I'm not talking about that. It is, but I'm not talking about that. Who cares about money? What I care about is that you walk every day in God's peace and victory. Too many people live in their Christian experience and they're sad and depressed. I'm not sad and depressed. I'm excited. Well, why are you getting so erratic? Because the God I serve is a God of authority. And so I'm going to preach with authority. Now get up here and, and, and mumble around and you wouldn't believe me anyway. But you believe me now. I had somebody say one time to me, man, you know, nobody sleeps in your church. I said, they better not.
David said in 119th Psalm, verses 9 through 16, it shows us the power. Let me get there. shows us the power of the living word in regards to holy living. Listen. David begins to give us or shows us, teaches us the power of the word, the living word. In regards to holy living, God did not save us and bring us out of a life of sin to wallow in it. You know it's by grace that you're saved. I said, yes. And grace can be in vain too. Paul said it. I don't want the grace to be in vain, vain in my life. I want it to be active in my life. David said in Psalms 119, he will give you through his word the power to live a holy life. Let me read this to you in verse 9 of chapter 119. When you get there, say amen. Oh, y'all are with me tonight. He said in verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping watch on himself according to your word. Conforming his life to your precepts. Did you read that? I'll read it in the, in the King James. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. The, amp, the, 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 the applied word uh, here we see is cleanses. God cleanses as we read the word. As the word is preached. We have to hear the Word of God preached. Scripture, verses. Now, I may not always quote the exact scriptures or verses, but I'm not misquoting the Bible. I'm quoting the Word. But the, 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 the Word here says that, and I'll read it again, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How do you live a, a, a clean life? By taking heed thereunto according to His Word. Taking heed. Taking heed, listening, not just reading it, but obeying it. We can't just be hearers of the word. We've got to be doers. Or otherwise we're deceiving ourselves. But he said in verse 10, he said, I'm sorry. Let me find it here. Almighty God. He said in verse 10, he said, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments or ignore, nor by willful, or I'm sorry, thy, let me go back to, the, I'm, I've got this parallel here is messing me up. With all my heart I have sought you, inquiring of you and longing for you. Do not let me wander from your commandments, neither uh, through ignorance nor by willful disobedience. And he says it, I'm going to read it in the King James. He said, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. And he goes right into, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So God will guard us from wandering and guard us from falling into sin. If we will hide his word in our heart. That's where your victory is going to be. And I was reading in a commentary today, Swaggart's expository Bible was awesome. He said, 
it says, Before the lips can fitly declare the teaching of Scripture, the heart must be home to them. In other words, God's Word has to be in your heart before you're going to speak it and it become a living thing or something that brings faith or an obedience, and it's activated in your life. Before the lips can fitly declare the teaching of the Scripture, the heart must be home to them, and its words form the rule of faith and subjection or submission to its judgments. And that's the secret of a life of victory. When His Word is hid in our heart, God begins to deal with us when the tempter comes and we go, I know what's written and I know what I have to obey, but if it's not there, you won't do it. That's why people fail. That's why people are so you know, up and down, and they're so inconsistent, and they've got this yo-yo, up and down, roller coaster experience. When God wants you to be straight as an arrow in your walk with God, no matter what comes along your way, you're able to handle it because the Word is down deep within you. And he said, thy Word have I hid in my heart. It's purposeful. It's intent. There's an intention there. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin." against God, against thee. Experiences don't do that. Pastor, I came and I felt God in the service. Praise the Lord. I'm all about feeling the presence and spirit of God. But if you don't know the word, guess what happens to that experience? It fades. But the word of God stays there. That's why people will have an experience. Of, well, I felt God on Sunday, but by Tuesday night, I was already doing my own thing again. Did you have the word down deep in your heart? We have to have the word down deep in our heart. Or you're going to sin. You're going to fall to things. You're, experiences don't do that, but the word of God does. Emotions and feelings don't do that because they fade away. Amen? That's a good place to say Amen. It seems all things fade. Even my revival I got will fade. That doesn't mean I can't get another touch. And the Word of God tells me that there are times of refreshing and I can meet with God again and He will pour out His Spirit upon me. There's a promise there. Lord, you did it once, you'll do it again. If every day His mercies are new every morning, if every day we come before Him and we receive daily bread, if every day we come before Him and meet with Him, He will meet with you and you can have a brand new touch every day of your life. Okay? But those experiences are different than the Word of God. The Word of God is something that is etched in your heart. It's planted down deep in your heart that you draw off of. It's an absolute. I've had experiences and then didn't have one for a long time. And people that say, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have any experiences. You need to just go away. I'm going to tell you, when I, got, I sat in a Baptist church for a long time, never felt God. I'm sorry, don't get mad at me. But I went into a spirit-filled church. And I said, my goodness, I feel the presence of, I feel something. I just wanted to cry, and they began to preach the word of God, and I felt convicted. I felt convicted. What is conviction? It's when you stand before God, and he says you're a transgressor. 
What you've done, you feel conviction in your heart because you've done something wrong. But thank God we don't have to live at that place of conviction. We can find forgiveness and come out from underneath that. God forgives that. He takes our sin and he throws it in the sea and he remembers it no more. Psalms 103. But I've had experiences. I've been in dry places. But what carried me through was the word of God. That's why when you know the word, you're going to stay the course. Okay? It's very important. Because it seems all things fade. My experiences, my encounters, even my revival, even my prayer meeting I had yesterday. The next day, I can tell you he'll meet you again. But aren't there times when he really meets you and you're like, man, this was awesome. I don't think this one could have been topped in the presence of God. But then there's another one. At another time. But yet you'll see. And he even says that. I'll anoint you with fresh oil. Out of Psalms. I believe it's the 92nd chapter. But he says I will anoint you with fresh oil. But listen. It seems all things fade. Even my revival I got. But that doesn't mean I cannot get another touch. But what fuels the faith to believe. That that touch is possible. Is his word. That's why he said. Solomon. As he began to speak to him, and he said, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked way, then will, will heaven be open? Then will they hear from heaven and heal their land. So what, am I, what I'm saying to you is that there is a possibility for that revival, but you have to go back to the word of God. And you have to say, I have to know the word of God. We are seeing God move across our nation in revivals and universities in a powerful way. You know, and, and I turned on uh, the Asbury, it was a few days ago, but I told Angela, I said, you can feel the presence of God through that, okay? Okay, I don't know. All I've seen is worship. I haven't seen the word or, or anything like that. I've seen a lot of prayer. Amen. They had one where a devil-possessed lady screamed out. I said, yeah, when the Holy Ghost is there, that's going to happen. And some lady sitting two or three chairs back began to bind it, and they told, you know, don't anybody get around the woman until medical care gets there, you know. And I thought, she's over there. She said, devil, you come out in Jesus' name. That old devil went, ah! I said, yeah. When the real Holy Ghost shows up, devils will be stirred up. But where there's a power that is stirred up, there's a power to deliver it. But I said, listen. I said, Angela, you got to listen to that. I said, you can feel the presence of God. And there was people on that revival ain't real. I said, are the other 18 not real? It's real. I said, God is moving because people have prayed for years. They've seen They've seen, I believe the youth, there is a segment of youth that got along with God. And they said, God, this country's going down the toilet. People say, oh, you know, it's not as bad as you think. What, what are you looking at? For pity's sake. I said, my goodness. 
I said, the border's wide open. I said, fentanyl's pouring in here. Don't talk to me about fentanyl. My brother died from it. I said, all of this stuff is happening across this country. We're seeing thing after thing after thing happen. And you're looking at and you're going, does our government even like us anymore? Do they can't stand us anymore? What's the problem? Don't get mad at me, church, because I'm going to tell you right now, this nation needs revival. And God is moving across this place because I can tell you, Nobody's going to make America great again but Jesus. Amen. He's the only one that's going to make this place change. But we can see God move across here as people begin to pray. Because they went to the word of God and they quoted the promise. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked way, then will they hear from heaven. He'll pour out his spirit. And he's doing it. He's doing it in pockets. And you know what I love about it? God said, I've had too many people all these years take glory for what I did. So all you big names, just stay outside. Amen. Well, I'm a, country, I'm a, I'm a Christian artist, just stay outside. Amen. Just We got nobodies up here on the platform and God's getting the glory. Don't you come in here, you'll mess it up. Come on now. God, I got to get finished here. Whew. What fuels the faith to believe another touch or revival or experience in God is His Word, His promise to us. Romans 10 8 says that the Word is nigh you, even in your mouth. And people say, Well, He's talking about salvation, He's talking about everything. He's talking about everything. When I was sick with COVID and I thought I was going to die in my bedroom. I'm laying on, on, in that chair trying to breathe. And I'm laying there. And I just said, God, I've already coughed up pink and red uh, spit and mucus. And I said, Lord, here I am. This was in 20, 2021, I believe. Maybe it was 2020. I'm not sure. It's been so long ago. But I'm laying there. And I cried out to God and I said, Lord, you are my healer. I said, I, 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 there's nothing else I can do. I trust you. I've always trusted you. And here I am. And I said, Lord, I said, you've got to heal me. And healing is the children's bread. And Lord, by your stripes I am healed. You took stripes across your back for my healing. And I said, Lord, you've healed me before. And I began to quote the scripture, you know. He said, go into all the world. And he said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Peter, by his very own shadow, just saw people healed. Amen. He wasn't even trying to heal him. He was just walking by him. I said, your power is real. And I said, God, if you don't heal me, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I'm serious, Lord. I'm scared. I'm scared. And I said, I, I'm, I'm crying out to you. I cried. Oh, I couldn't even hardly, you know, cough it up to cry, but I've cried. And I said, God, please, you are my healer. And just like that, he said, son, he said, get up. Go to bed. You'll be better in the morning. I didn't sit there and say, God, why didn't you just do it right here and right now? He said, get in that bed. Go to sleep. You'll be better in the morning. I got up the next day and I thought, you know what? hungry I thought I can breathe I felt normal again I felt normal 
because I, I'm, I, I hung on to his word. I hung on to his word. We have to know his word. But he said that word is nigh and even in your mouth. And the moment you speak what you believe, things begin to start happening. If it happens when you're to get saved, it happens for everything else. His word. So I don't believe that. I said, well, so you believe it for salvation, but you don't believe it for other things. Okay, I got you. I said, I believe it for salvation because this, the same faith, same Holy Ghost that speaks because the Spirit of God comes upon you and tells you God will forgive you. But you need to go down and you need to pray. You need to confess him as Lord. You need to believe that he, could, he was risen from the dead. You need to believe all of that. You need to repent. You need to make things right. Tell God you, you're sorry for your sin. Ask him to forgive you. Speak those things. And he said that same faith that it took to do that is the same faith it takes to believe me for things. For what you need in your life. In his will. Amen. You say, well, I, I, you know, I prayed and I said, Lord, I want a Mercedes Benz. You may need a, a Volkswagen Jetta. You may just need a, a $1,500, well, not anymore, $3,500 car to get you from A to B. You know, he wants you to accomplish his will upon this earth. And what matters is that you just get from A to B. Okay, that's all that matters. And, and when you need a, another vehicle, God will provide that for you. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's people that pray things and it's lust and covetousness. When God operates in need. Amen. When I didn't have a car, Grandma Jeannie gave me a 1985 Nissan Sentra with 295,000 miles on it. And Pinto hubcaps. And I drove it until I could get something that was better, amen, or something. After it quit on me, I got something better. And I thank God for that. But what I'm saying is that I begin to speak and I said, God, please, I need a, a vehicle that runs. I need a vehicle, you know, that, 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 that doesn't have a shattered window in it. I need a, win I need a, a vehicle, Lord, and, and I'm praying, please. And I went. Didn't have the money to buy it. Didn't have the credit. This was a long time ago, 1996. And here I am. And I walked upon that lot. And that guy said, is that the truck you want? I said, yeah, it's the cheapest one here. It's blue. It's new or fairly new. And, and you know, and so I'm good. So I went in there and signed the papers. And I just said, oh, Lord, I'm praying that you approve me. And he came back and he said, we got you approved. And I thought, what? Are you kidding me? I can't finance a toothpick I said are you sure he goes yes we got you approved he goes that's what we do around here we work with subprime uh, you know people I thought well I'm subprime I guess amen <laughs> what's that low credit score I signed that paper and drove out in that truck I was like Lord he said you asked me you needed it. You asked me. You spoke it in faith. You believed me. You put everything in that in faith. And he said, I opened up the door because that's what you needed. I was so thankful. Amen. I was so thankful. But the moment you speak what you believe, things begin to happen. And he said in verse 9 of Romans 10, that if you confess and believe he was raised, you shall be saved. And in verse 10, 
this is powerful. In verse 10, i got to turn there. I'm not there yet. But Romans 10 and 10. Ah, Jesus, help me. It's getting late. Romans 10, 10. This is what he says in the word of God. He said, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The word of God, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When the preacher preached to me that my, my, sinful, uh, my sinfulness and my sinful state and being a sinner was going to put me in hell, I believed him. When he told me that there was a remedy because Jesus died on the cross, I believed him. And I went to the altar and I confessed with my mouth and believed in my heart and God brought salvation. So, the word spoken brings a great, powerful activation of God's power. I want to close with this. 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> Turn with me there. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 12. Peter said, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. So it was very important that they understood, they remembered, they knew, and they were established in present truth. What he's getting ready to speak. He said, yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle, he's talking about his body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle. In other words, he was going to die. Even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me, because the Lord Jesus told him in John 21 how he was going to die. But he said, moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Remember the word. For we have not followed cunning devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Amen. He said, we seen him, we felt him, we touched him. That's what John said. And we declare him unto you. And he said, all of these things you got to understand. I was an eyewitness. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. Then there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He wasn't talking about the river Jordan. He was talking about the Mount of Transfiguration out of Matthew 17. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also, more, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. Now listen, even Peter speaks of a sure word of prophecy in verse 19. Not from any other than God the Father himself is the sure word of prophecy. And this is really the crux of what I'm trying to say today. Listen, Peter experienced Something on the Mount of Transfiguration that only two people 
besides Jesus and Moses and Elijah that were there. And Peter saw that Mount of Transfiguration. He saw Jesus in a glorified state. He heard the voice from heaven. See, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. That was an experience that he never forgot. Okay? But listen. He said, we have an even more sure, also a more sure word of prophecy. We have, a, we have something that's even greater than that experience that I had. It's the word of God behind it. He said, you've got to understand this. There's something that you have to have down deep in your heart. And he said, you need to be established in this word, established in the truth of this word. And mind you, you say, well, well, well pastor, they were writing the Bible at this time. It was being written as they were living. Yes, it was being recorded at that time. Okay? And so that's, that's the word of God that we have. That is what we hold on to. But what he was saying is, well, listen, as I said earlier, you have to be careful because experiences will fade. But God's word never fades. Never. Never passes away. I love prophecy. I do. I, I love prophecy. I love for people to, I've had just this year more than I think ever in my life have had people because I've been around people that uh, operate in prophetic ministry. I, I, and they were right on. I had somebody prophesy to me and they told me exactly what was on my heart, what exactly what I had spoken to the Lord in prayer. They were spot on. I've been in places where the prophets were off. So you know the, the difference between a true prophet and a false prophet. A true prophet is 100%. They don't go, well, I hope, yeah, no. So if God uses you in any gift in this church, you better make sure that it's God. And not you just going, well, I think that's what he said. No, if you don't know 100%, sit down. <clears throat> Amen. But I love prophecy. I love encounters. I love experiences in God in church services. I love intense worship services. But all of those things will fade. And anything that comes through man as a vessel. Listen, I'm going to say something very powerful here. This is why you need to know the word. Anything that comes through man as a vessel has the possibility to be flawed, erroneous, or faulty. That's why we must know the word of God. That goes for me. That goes for anybody else. But all of these things will fade. But not God's word. And in my darkest, lowest moments, I've learned to depend and stand upon his word. And in the words of Peter, he said, you would do well to heed and pay close attention because his word is the light unto your path. The lamp unto your feet. Did not David say that in Psalms 119, 105? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The only lamp that produces true spiritual light is the word of God. I pray the word. I quote the word. I'm kept by his word and his spirit, but I'm kept. I'm blessed by the word. 
I'm instructed by the word. I have grown and matured by the word. I've ordered my life after the word. I share with you, and I'm going to say this very quickly because I don't want to be labor this. But when I was at Jared's, and God was dealing with me about something deep, and it wasn't a sinful thing, but it was just something that I didn't want to release and let go of. And I just said, Lord, I know what you're saying. I know, I understand that, but Lord, it doesn't feel good. I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm crushed inside, and I'm brokenhearted, and I'm, I'm feeling all of these emotions. And you know, the Lord was so awesome to me. But you know, I went and I stood wherever the prophet began to come and speak, where somebody was operating in a prophetic office, and they went past me. So I thought, well, I'll go over here and get on this side. And they walked right past me. Do you know what God said to me? He said, when did you become the guy that has to have a word from somebody else? I said, Lord. He said, when did you become somebody? I've, sp I've spoken to you your whole life. I have. And I'll give you a word from somebody. But you don't have to have that. I'll talk to you. My word. You know, don't chase that, son. And so I said, okay, Lord. So I told you Sunday that I went, went to bed that night and prayed. And uh, I woke up. God's so good. His mercies are new every morning. I woke up, and that song was resounding in my heart and my spirit. A couple different worship songs, but one in particular was in moments like these. I sing out a song. I sing out a love song to thee, to Jesus. Singing, I love you, Lord. And I'm just laying there in bed, and I'm just singing, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And he said, you know, it's like 6 o'clock. He said, go out to the truck and pray because we rented a big old SUV. And so I went out there not to interrupt anybody. And I, I sat in that truck in the back seat because I remember Pastor Duke telling me his dad used to go out into the car in the back seat in that old Thunderbird and he would pray and cry out to God for hours. So I sat there and I said, God, I said, Lord, you, you, you've got to help me. You've got to help me. You've got to speak to me. And as I sat there and I wept and I cried and I gave what was on my heart to God, I laid my Isaac down and I said, Lord, I give this to you. And I know, Lord, that I have to. And I'm asking you to take this. And three things God did. The first thing that he did was he gave me a grace and he just lifted that hurt and that broken heart and that feeling of, of pain and sadness. He just lifted it. He just took it. It was, I mean, I was like, Lord, I, you've done this before, but I can only remember like two times in my life where I felt this, and you just did something, it just went, whoop. It's like you're hurting one moment, you're like, and the next moment you're just like, I'm good. And I just began to pray, and I prayed in the Spirit. I mean, I'm having a time in there. I mean, tears streaming down my face. I'm worshiping God. And I'm just listening. I kept playing uh, uh, Janet Pascal's I Am, I Am. I am. I kept playing that over and over. Just kept playing. And I'm worshiping God. Worshiping God. And as I was worshiping, I was just, just, just absolutely lost in the spirit of God. Just praying and praising and worshiping God. And the Lord showed me. He said, 
he showed me something about Jared's son. And he said, as you begin to pray, as I begin to pray for his oldest boy, and his, his middle boy, but I begin to pray for his sons, but his oldest specifically. He said, I, he just, it's almost like he showed me in a vision, but it was just in the spirit. He said, showed me his hand going through, and where God's hand was, he just lit up the light, just boom, where it was dark. And he said, I'm going to light up that place where he's at and bring him to a place of understanding and realization of faith that I need to go back home. Just like that prodigal said, he came to himself. God brought him to that place. But that's the first thing he's going to do, you know. That's the first thing he, he showed me that. And I was like, Lord, he said, pray. I was praying. I was praying in the spirit, but specifically in my, in my you know, just praying. I said, God, get a hold of him. Please do this. And God just began to boom. It was, I know. I don't think I know. But he, at that moment, he was touching that boy. And from there on, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a hold of him, and he's coming home, number one. Number two, so I sat there, you know, because the devil, the devil always wants to try to bring that residual, you know. You were at a 10 in your broken heart, but God, by his grace, brought it down to zero, but the devil tried to bring it up to a one. And I said, Lord, you got to give me a word in my spirit. And he said, thus saith the high and holy one who inhabits heaven. He said, I, I'm going to read it to you. I dwell, oh, I can quote it, but I want to quote it 100%. 57, Isaiah 57, 15. He said, for, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. Oh, he said, I'm way above where you're at. But I dwell in the high and holy place with him all, also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. He said, I reached down and I brought you up where I'm at. And I gave you that that you needed. And he said, there will be people that will operate in prophetic offices. And that's, that's, it's, it's okay. He said, but he said, I wanted to show you. You don't need it to go to anybody, let me minister to you and talk to you in your heart and give you a word because when I speak something to you, you'll never forget it. You'll never forget what God has done in you. All of the moments that God encountered you at life-changing moments, you never forgot them. Tell me you never forgot them. I know you didn't because if you forgot it, God didn't do it. But if God did it, you never forgot it. Are you hearing me? I remember when he healed me. I remember when he healed me. I remember when I was at a moment where I, I felt like God didn't love me anymore and God raised me up. I remember when he called me to preach and pastor this church, start this church. I remember where I was. I remember what he said. I remember. There's things that I remember when God met me at pivotal historical moments in my life and his word his word. What he speaks to you in your spirit and what he speaks from his word is very important. 
It's far greater than anything anybody else can say. Thank God for preachers that are anointed that speak the word. Amen. We need it. We need them. That's fivefold ministry. We need it. We need, you know, all of these giftings and callings and things in the Bible. We need them. But church, there's nothing like God speaking to you from his word. He's all we need. Mighty God. Would you just bow your heads in prayer? Amen. I just want to worship him and just thank him tonight for his word. I know it's getting a little late, but I just want us to worship him and just glorify him tonight from his, uh, uh, just, and, and just thank him for his word. Amen. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.